Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. How's everybody doing? Everybody excited? It sounds like you're excited. There's a lot of, lot of noise out here. I don't know, I might just leave right now. You're scaring me. So, good morning everyone. We're here at the Ville Church and just want to thank you for coming. If this is your first time, we're so happy that you're here. We're so grateful for what God is doing. We're in this series this year called New Year, New Gear. And um, it sounds like we're going to you know, shift it into overdrive or, or turbo mode or hit the nitrous. Um, but what we're talking about is really the presence of God this uh, January as we've uh, been in this series, New Year, New Gear, and how the presence of God is really like everything in life. Um, Jay talked about, you know, where it's better as one day in God's courts than a thousand days elsewhere, right? And that we can find everything we want in life when it comes to the presence of God. And today, as we talk, I want to talk a little bit about that, and I want to go into um, what keeps us from the presence of God, and hopefully this morning it's really practical, um, and I hope it makes sense, and, and we can understand some things here, because if God's presence is everything, man, that's where we need to be, right? So I want to talk about that, but first, I need your help. I need you to pay real close attention. I'm going to ask you a couple times, so in the very first part. Obviously, everybody's awake, haven't fallen asleep yet, but I'll ask you some questions. So I'm going to throw up this first slide about these questions, okay? And you can answer these out loud if you want. So, is there a creator God who is our loving Father? Yes. All right. Does God have any enemies? Yes. How many know who those enemies are, right? The enemies is Satan, right? The world, the world system. Uh, Satan's demons or followers, and do we have enemies since we are his sons and daughters? Okay, and also, do we have a battle that keeps us away from the presence of God since we have a God and we have a father and he has enemies and we're his sons? Do we have a battle because we have enemies? All right, you guys are like getting straight A's today. So you go home, you tell your mom you got straight A's today in Bible class. No, it's not Bible class, but anyways, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together and um, just being here in your presence right now. Because you said that you promise that when any of us get together and our heart is to come to connect with you, love you, be with you, that you promise to be there. And you're faithful to your promise, and you never lie. So we are actually experiencing your presence as we're in this room, and we thank you for that. Would you help us to focus? Would you help us to pay attention? Help us to hear you today as I need you, as we need you, in Jesus' name. Now, I want to clarify something here, and please pay attention to what I'm, about, what I'm going to say. I'm not talking about the literally being away from the literal presence of God. And what that means is I'm not talking about, you know, if we're away from God and, and, if, and if something wants to keep us from God's presence, that it's actually going to keep us from God's presence because it can't. If you believe in Jesus, 
If he lives in your heart, if you have the Holy Spirit, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He actually lives inside of us. So I'm not talking about that literal presence, okay? Um, what we're talking about is like when you're in the room with someone and you know that purposely you don't pay attention to them. You don't acknowledge them. They're next to you, but you don't include them. You don't practice their presence. You don't let them participate. We're also talking about keeping away from spending time with or connecting or being with Jesus in the practical ways. Those are the two ways we're talking about being in the presence of God. Um, we're talking about a constant way of doing life without the presence of God. That's what we mean by being away or getting away or something getting between us and the presence of God. So one is, is obviously not acknowledging they're there, not including them. Um, the other one is practically how do we stay away from God's presence. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I want you to keep that in your forefront of your mind. There's a couple things I'll have you keep in, in the forefront. But that's what we're talking about when it comes to presence, not God's literal presence because we can never leave his presence because he's always with us. Now, what does our enemies want us to do uh, so they can accomplish their goal from keeping us away from the presence of God. What do our enemies want us to do? They want us to sin. That's what they want us to do. They want us to sin because sin is what really keeps us away from the presence of God. Sin, uh, the Bible says, uh, the wage of sin is death, and death always separates. So that's their, their purpose, is to keep us away from the presence of God. Now, when we hear the word sin, we can think of sometimes only one sin, like the big one, whatever that is, right? I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's what I do. As soon as you say sin, I'm just thinking about like something really bad that I've done or that I, you know, struggle with or struggle with for years, right? And, and, or we'll just think of the sin that we did, you know, this morning or yesterday and, you know, or, or last week or whatever it is. And we think about this, like this one sin when we think of sin. But in reality, there's all types of sin. And today, I want you to think of sin in this way. And of course, I'm not talking about this is the only way, the only type of sin, okay? But I want you to think of sin as a path, a way, a trail, a trail that has a rock canyon walls on each side. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of that or ever been in one, but I've been in one. Um, when I was 15, 16 years old, I lived next to uh, um, a guy that had some horses. And when he would go away to work, I loved horses so much that I would actually spend all my time watching them in the corral and feeding them and all this stuff. Finally, he taught me how to saddle them and ride them. Well, when he would leave off to work, I would break into his, um, his um, storage, I'd get the saddles, I'd ride them, and I'd take off. And I'd go on an adventure. Where I lived, there was just mountains everywhere to go on an adventure. And one of the times I found this railroad track that led to um, this one path, and then there was this water coming along it, so I was taking the horse along the water, and before you know it, I was like this, I mean, barely enough for the horse to get through, and just rock walls on both sides. And that's what I want you to think of when we're thinking about that. If you ever want to go check that out, you can come with me to New Mexico and I'll show you what that's like. <laughs> always, always, brother. That's the only way it's fun. 
Don't look at that, Jesus. Uh. <laughs> so there's all types of sin, but I want you to think of it like that. So can you do that for me? So keep that in your forefront of your mind and keep in when we're talking, keep the, uh, the image about the presence of God or the, you know, what we're talking about. Now, this morning, I want to talk about where does sin come from? Where is the battle takes place and how we fight this battle? So the next one here is, first off, how do we end up sinning and what ways does it come to us? So how do we end up sinning? How does it come? How, what ways does it come to us? And that's my next slide. Sin, I love that you got the arrows, um, comes from temptation, and temptation comes from our thoughts. So ultimately, this battle is in our mind. This battle is in our mind. So if the presence of God is there, and what gets in our way is sin, right, and our enemies want us to sin, and that sin comes through temptation, and those temptations come through our thoughts, the battle is in the mind, and that's where this next scripture just spells it all out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Basically simply saying it's not politics, it's not um, physical against people. Um, um, we don't war against that. It says, for the weapons of our warfare... Again, talking about this warfare, reiterating that there is an enemy and we are in a fight, are not carnal. They're not physical. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So obviously there's something strong there and there's something we've got to pull down. Casting down, it tells you about what it is. Casting down imaginations. Those strongholds are imaginations. Where do imaginations take place? Can't hear you. That's right. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where does knowledge come in from? From all kinds of sources, right? But it has to enter our mind. Bringing every, and here it spells it out, thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So imaginations come from the mind. Knowledge is information that comes to the mind. And getting a hold of our thoughts and making them obey Christ. So there's the battle. The battle is in your mind. Now when it comes to the battle and it comes to your mind, um, it's such good news to know this scripture. And the reason why it's such good news is that we don't have to believe every thought that we have. So just remember that. Remember that we don't have to believe every thought we have. That's one of the things that we struggle with is we have this thought and we start thinking about it and we're thinking like, man, yeah, this is the way it is and, and this is true and, 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 and then you get this emotion going, this feeling going, this adrenaline going and, and, and that's a lot of times how we just fall into these ruts and these traps and it confirms what we're feeling is true, but it may not be true. Just because you have the thought, just because you have these feelings doesn't mean it's true. It may be, but it may not be true. Why do I say that's such good news? Because, man, I have a lot of thoughts, right? Now, how many times have we believed something we thought and it ends up hurting us and hurting others, right? It wastes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. We hurt someone because we thought the wrong thing about them. We misunderstood them. It was bad information. Or we believe that about ourselves. Now, the other liberating thing is that these thoughts may not be ours and they may not be true, right? Now, the awesome thing is that we have a right 
and an ability to do something with our thoughts. And that's where it says that we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. God never asks us something that he doesn't give us the ability to, that he doesn't give us the ability to do. He always gives us the ability to do whatever he asks of us. So what's, li what's liberating about this is that we can actually choose to do something about our thoughts. It's our ability. It's our God-given right and our God-given ability. It's my choice. It's your choice to do something with our thoughts. That means we have to take responsibility for our thoughts. And that's where he says, every thought captive. That's taking it and making it obey Christ. That's our responsibility. Somebody say, I'm responsible. Right? See, the crazy thing is, is the way you think will also affect the way you feel. And the way you feel will also affect what you do. So we got to get this thing way over here when it comes to the thoughts. And we even have to go even deeper than the thoughts because sometimes we have to figure out some of the roots in what those thoughts are coming from. Now, some of them may just be straight out, and I'm going to tell you in a minute what it is, um, but other ones could have some underlying things that we've talked about through emotionally healthy spirituality, right, about the stuff underneath the iceberg. And I won't go into that because I think I've pounded that so many times, but we need to keep talking about that. There's some stuff underneath that hurts, pains, unresolved issues, whatever. But we have to remember that those thoughts need to be dealt with because that's where the temptation comes and then for another, it's how we feel. And then after we feel, we start doing these things that may or may not be beneficial, right? May not bring us to and keep us in the presence of God. Now, we have three enemies. We have three enemies and these enemies are where the temptations come from. The first one is the world system and beliefs that want to turn us from God. The world system and beliefs that want to turn us from God. That's the first enemy that we have. So it's not people in the world. We want to love people. We just want to hate anything that we believe or they believe or anyone believes that it's against God or leads us away from the Lord. So 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of this world. The world and his desires, okay, now we're getting to it, the desires of the world is passing away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. It's temporal, so we are not, so we know our enemy is the world. We're going to keep that scripture in mind in a minute here. The next enemy is the flesh. So there are thoughts that come from the world, right? Things that were around, conversations, people, places, you know, inputs from the world, advertisements, always pre preaching and speaking things to us. Then we have the flesh. Now that is our fallen sinful nature. Now the Bible says we've died to our flesh and it is dead and we've got to reckon it as dead. In other words, stop making excuses for it. You know, stop saying, well, I have a sinful nature, so I'm just going to sin. It doesn't matter. You know, Paul says, by no means, no way. We've died to that. And now we live, we live now a new life in Christ. So we don't want to ever uh, make an excuse for our flesh. But our flesh is that fallen sinful nature that's still there. 
It's like, it's like right there, right behind us, right ready to, to want to take over our lives. So I say, here's um, a Galatians 5, 16 to 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So there you go. You got the Holy Spirit and you got the flesh. Then you won't be doing your sinful, what your sinful nature um, craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. That's, again, evil is anything that's bad or wrong. That's another word for evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit wants to do what's right, what's good, keep us in the presence of God. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's an, an, there's an acknowledgement of this battle again. So our thoughts come from the world. They sometimes come from this sinful nature. The third one is Satan and all his demons. First uh, Peter 5.8 says, Be sober and watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So again, that's our adversary. That's our enemy, and he wants to devour us. So when we have these thoughts, we have to ask ourselves, uh, we actually don't have to ask ourselves, but we need to recognize they may come from the flesh, they may come from the world, and they may come from Satan. Regardless of where they come from, it's not important to get into, well, where did this come from, and you know, all that stuff. That's not real important. I don't need you to get caught up in that. None of us need to get caught up in that. We just need to recognize it came from one of those three. There are times we'll be praying, right? We'll be together with someone, and we just get this weird thought, this bad thought. It's important to know that those are not yours. It's important to know that the world is not you. It's important to know that you are not your sinful flesh. You're not your sinful desires. It's very important to understand this. And the reason why it's so important to understand this is because when a thought comes in and we start beating ourselves up for it, then, and that thought could have came from Satan, then we just say, well, I'm all messed up. Look at the crazy thoughts that I have. And believe me, every one of us in this room, 100%, everyone, me, you, have these horrible, disgusting, crazy thoughts. Do I need to start reading your mind right now? You'll believe me? I can't, so I won't, you know. I won't want to either, you know. So... So they come from Satan, and you start saying, man, I'm messed up. I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus. There's no way I could be saved. There's no way I could be living for him. I have these thoughts. Can you believe what I just thought? Like this is, then forget it, man. Get discouraged. Makes you want to sin. Makes you want to give up. So it's liberating. It's awesome to know that we have these enemy and that these thoughts are not ours some of these bad thoughts. Or if it's from the world, there's not a God. He doesn't care, right? You got to get what you want. You got to get what everyone else has. You got to get the goods, right? You got to get the things in life so you can feel good about yourself, so you can feel you accomplish something, right? And where does that take us? It makes us a slave to the world and the things of this world that rule us and run us. And Jesus came to set us free, to no longer be slaves, but to be called children of God, free. There's nothing like being free. And then we have the flesh that condemns us and says, you're no good. You're all messed up. 
hey, this is what you really want, whatever that is. That's fleshly desire. So no matter which way the thought comes in and where they come from, it's so liberating and it's so important to know that they're not from us. They're not from the Holy Spirit, from our new nature, our nature in Christ, because we do have thoughts that we have that are good. And Philippians 4.8 talks about this. I'm sorry. Here's what 1 John 3.20 says. If even your own self condemns you, it says, even if your heart condemns you, right? There's, there's a, like, almost like a dual heart. There's a heart that is of the flesh, that, is, that, that, that wants to do wrong, and then there's the new heart that God takes out this heart of flesh and puts, uh, and it's a heart of stone, and puts in a heart of flesh, excuse me, which is the new heart that desires to live for God, that feels when they do wrong, and that's a good thing. And it and, and takes joy when we do right. It takes joy in the things that are good. That's the good heart. That's the heart. But it's talking here about the sinful heart. It says, even when your heart condemns you. And the heart is another word for the mind. When your mind condemns you, God is greater than your mind, than your heart. Even God is greater than that. So again, important to know about where those thoughts come from. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever things are true, what's true? Man, that's, that's a word that's missing in our world today. That's a word that, 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 that we are not very much exposed to at all. That's a word we shy away from. That's a word that, that we need to keep in front of us. What things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any praise, think on these things. If you want to know what you need to think about, if you want to know what you, want to, you need to put in front of you, if you want to know what you want to, need to expose yourself to and be around all these things is this right here, Philippians 4.8. If it doesn't line up with Philippians 4.8, not for you. Because see, our God is a God of purity. Our God is a God of truth. Our God is a God of honesty. Our God is a God of justice. Our God is a God of loveliness. Our God is a God of good report. Our God is a God of virtue. Our God is a God deserving all praise, all glory, and all honor. That is our God. That's where he dwells. That's where we're meant to dwell. That's where we're meant to live. We're meant to live in those places. That's what sustains us. That's what gives us life. That's what makes us want to live. That's what gives us strength. That's what gives us confidence. That's what gives us faith. That's what allows us to step out and trust are those pure, lovely, just, good things that are worthy of praise, which is God's presence. That's what is Jesus himself. Now, what are the gates that they enter into our mind? What are the gateways of these temptations, of these thoughts? What we look at, what we watch, right? What we see with our eyes, what we entertain ourselves with. So important. Like, man, back in the day um, when I first came to, to Christ, I came to a very legalistic church called a 
well, I won't say what it is, but anyways, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I don't, I don't want to meet that in a bad way, but um, basically you couldn't watch certain rated movies and you couldn't go to the movies, uh, you couldn't wear short sleeve shirts, anyways, that had nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but um, basically they said, you know, no listening to any kind of music that isn't sung by a Christian and for Christ, um, you know, uh, things like that. So, I mean, they made it like, man, if you did that, you're going to hell. Literally, that's, that's the truth. That's how you felt. So you felt really condemned if you did that. But the one thing that I do love about that, 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 that we shouldn't have pushed aside, is that's not a bad idea. It is a bad idea to feel like you're going to hell because you do that or because you were around that or you listen to a song not sung to Christ. That's wrong. That's not sinful. That's, that's the wrong thing about it, but, the, but we've gotten so far away from that because we're free in Christ and, you know, we know Jesus and, and he forgives us and we have the gospel and we know we're sinners anyways. And we've gotten so far away that we don't realize that it's this little bridge that Satan wants to build, right? You know, just a little bit of exposure to something that feeds my flesh and, 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 and you know, makes me think like the world system and and wants me to do something and suggest things, just little things. You know, Martin Luther, um, and the next one is what you listen to, which is music. Martin Luther, which is the one that um, started the thing called the Reformation, um, uh, you know, great theologian, uh, a man that God used uh, and helped us get free from, you know, this condemnation by works, right? You know, through the, the universal church that was in existence back then and uh, without going all far into that, he said, besides Scripture, besides Scripture, Scripture being the most powerful, the most influential is music. And that's to worship God or to keep us from God. Music. These are gateways. These are little, little bridges that the enemy wants to build. You know, uh, um, Satanists, you know, that uh, practice, you know, uh, that, they look for all these little things like that, these bridges. You introduce different, uh, just a little bit of deception, just a little bit off, so that way it could influence in one way or another. So whatever music you listen to, I'm not saying the music you listen to is satanic, um, but what I am saying is you need to be a judge of that, right? Does it bring you closer to Christ? Does it keep your mind on what things are pure, what things are just? Right? Does it make you want to praise God? You know? Does it want to bring you closer to others? You know, there's some really awesome songs that aren't sung unto Christ, but they're sung about life that make us want to love our, our families and love, love life, you know? To, to enjoy life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's maladies and, and, and rhythms and beats that are awesome, that have no words, that are just like awesome. You know, make you want to dance and feel excited. I mean, that's, that's beauty. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're talking about whatever it is that would keep us from Christ. So we have this eye gate, right, where we watch and see, and then the ear gate. Um, and then what we talk about, our conversations, right? What are we talking about? And then the last one is who we're with, right? Now, there are, all of us are different places when it comes to who we're with, you know, how that affects us. So some of us we're able to keep this mind of Christ and keep the presence of God with us as we're with, you know, people that are not with Christ, right? And, and that's okay, and that's good that you're there, and we want you to mature and get to that place. 
Because it really isn't sin outside us that causes us to sin. It's sin within us. We know that. But there are other of us that sometimes getting around a certain type of people, myself included, or certain conversations, that it wants to cause me to sin and want those things that God doesn't want for me. And you're going to have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in that and maybe talk about that and, and, and ask God to grow you in that. Because ultimately we're not saying to seclude ourselves away from those that don't know Christ because uh, greater is he that is in us than greater is he that is in the world, right? Because God has already overcome the world. Now summing this up here, remembering in the beginning, I asked you to remember two things. When it came to sin, it's like being this trail, this path, and this way that has a canyon, a wall on each side. The second was that when it comes to the presence of God, that we're not talking about keeping us from God's literal presence, but God's presence as if someone was in the room, but you don't acknowledge them, right? I'm going to go a little bit more into that in a minute. So for me, I just was really thinking about this this week, and it was just, I was all over the place when it came to the presence of God. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, is, is stopping, you know, busyness. Like, let me just be real honest, worry. Like worry. Thinking about, like, every person I could think of. Like, I think about my wife. I think about my daughter that's 17 and a half. I think about my son that just got married. I think about my mom, I think about my dad, my dad's suffering from a sickness, I think about my sister, you know, struggles with mental illness, I think about, you know, just start thinking about everyone and, and how somehow am I going to be able to like help them or, or guide them or, or what's God going to do with them, is it going to get worse, it's going to get better, are they going to stay with God, are they going to be healthy, is a, a, you know, a, a car going to run over them, like just thinking these thoughts of all the stuff that I think about that can keep me from the, from, from the presence of God. And if we could throw up this last scripture, and I'm going to bounce back and forth in this. And this is Psalm 1611. And it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We're talking about this when it comes to the presence of God. And when the scripture talks about the world, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The last one, the pride of life, I think is this first part of Psalms. When it says, you make known to me the path of life. And as I'm telling you about this worry or this, like, me trying to figure this out and, and, and make things happen and be this certain person and, you know, I think about, like, I need to talk to him about Scripture more and, you know, I need to, you know, call him and see how things are going and how's their walk with Jesus and, you know, have they been to church lately and, you know, like, are they sinning, you know, are they doing things wrong and what sins are they struggling with or what hurts they're going through and I just start thinking about all these things in all these ways and to me this is the pride of life. To me, this is the pride of life for me. That some way, somehow, I'm going to know how to fix this. 
and I'm going to use Jesus, and I'm going to use the Bible, and I'm going to use God and the Holy Spirit to fix this, to make sure they're okay and to guard them. And somehow it's dependent on me. That's a lot of pride. And I mean, that may not make sense to you, and you may not connect to that, but what is your way of saying, I've got this life? I've got this life. When he says, you make known to me the path of life. And when he, what he says is, you, meaning you, Jesus, it's you. It's you, Jesus, that calls me to come rest and sit in your arms, in your hands, and say, I've got this. How do you know that I got this? I saved you. There was a day, a time when I came into your life and you accepted me and you received my forgiveness and there's no one and nothing that could ever take you out of my hands. And I've got your family. I've got your friends. You don't need to have this. I have this. This is the pathway to life. It says here, and you make known to me the path of life. God is so loving and so gracious to make known to us the path of life. Him choosing us and saying, I am the way. You've sinned, I'm the way. You've hurt me, I'm the way. I am the truth, this is true life. I am the way, and I've made it known to you. And he defeats the pride of life. That pride of life that says, I gotta make myself feel like I'm worthy and I mean something by what I do in achieving or, or, or material things and how much I acquire. i got to be somebody. And he says, I make known to you the path of life. He's the path. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. I'm looking all the time for a way to relieve myself from the pressure of this life, from the heaviness of things. I'm looking for ways to relieve myself from, from stress and worry. I'm looking for ways to uh, enjoy other things, right, than what God wants me to have. It seems like since everybody else is doing it, and it's no big deal, and it's everywhere, and we can see it all the time, and they're going on, and they're living their life, and, and it's, nothing's happened to them that that's probably what I want to do to help myself, right? Or I want some of this and I don't want it to stop because it feels so good and because it's out of control and it's more than what God wants me to have, it becomes my idol, it becomes something I run to. Whatever it is in the flesh, whatever the body does, I can say it, everybody said it so many times, what is it that satisfies us more than God? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The lust of the eyes. What do I look at that can give me pleasures? What can I see? Right? What, what do I see? What, what is it that I need to look at? Do I need to look at a beautiful, awesome mansion? Do I need to look at my brand new shiny car? Do I need to look at, you know, the opposite sex? I mean, what, what do I need to look at? What ways do they need to be? 
I mean, man, when it comes to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, I'll just be real with you. Like, coming from a background of, of sinful behavior over and over, bondages to pornography and, and, and uh, being abused sexually and all this dysfunction in my life, that kind of starts to affect my intimacy with my wife. And all of a sudden, I want to see something or be something in that time, if you know what I'm talking about. That's not from God. And all that does is bring sin, and that sin starts to bring me from the presence of God. Let me give you a little analogy, and then I'm going to end with this. This pool is the presence of God. You know how, like, you get excited, we're all going to go to the pool, we're going to jump in, you know, you get ready to get on the diving board and get in, and it's just so awesome, going to have a great time. The pool is the presence of God. You can't wait to get on the diving board and jump in. You see a lifeguard, and you know that he has a whistle, and you know what it means if he blows that whistle. You view him as if he's just there to keep you from having fun. That's how we view God as the whistleblower. Now, we view sin as the one thing that we do that would cause him to blow that whistle and tell us that we've done wrong, right? We think of it as that one thing. We get mad at him, right? We beat ourselves up. We get embarrassed. But what we fail to understand is that he's trying to keep us away uh, from a way of being in that pool that will ultimately cause us to drown. He's trying to keep us in the pool where all the fun, all the pleasure, all the joy, and all the peace is. He's trying to keep us in that pool. When I said think about sin as a canyon, as a way, right, as a, as a path, and going back to Psalm 1611, it says, you make known to me the pathway of life. Sin is this like rut, this ditch that wants to keep us away from the presence of God. And it comes through temptation. And temptation comes through thoughts. And that battle is placed in our mind. But at the end of the day, that's the practical, that's the everyday, right? That we need to practice taking hold of our thoughts. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to for me is will I trust that that pathway of life is really there, is really true? See, we're so used to living this pathway in life that keeps us on this way, this sinful way away from God. And it becomes normal. It becomes normalized. And it's day in and day out. And we're stuck on these pathways. We're stuck on these ca in these canyons. And that seems more real and that seems more true and we're okay with that because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know where I would be. It would seem a little weird to get out of the way of sin and get into the way, the pathway of life, which is Jesus. To get in a place where there's the presence of fullness of joy. Like we even feel guilty for having joy 
for more than five minutes, an hour, a day, two days. Like something wrong going to happen. Can have this much joy in my life. Having pleasure with living for God, living in God, enjoying the things on this earth that give us pleasure, that aren't sinful, and being happy with that. Being happy with God in this pleasure with God. Do we trust? Am I willing to say, God, I trust. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to rest in that pool of your presence. Sit back and flow and know that you have it. Or am I going to just start thrashing around and start to sink? Right? Am I going to allow myself to trust that? Now, the practical ways of being in the presence of God is obviously every day holding every thought captive, telling those thoughts, no, that's not true, that's not of God, I'm not going to believe that, changing your mind, thinking on these things that are good, these are pure. You don't have to always think of a scripture, but scripture is definitely good to fight with. That's what Satan, uh, that's what Jesus fought Satan with is the scripture, and that's why we must be uh, committed to thinking on the scripture. So practical ways is obviously what stopping to be with Jesus. Stopping to be in the presence of God. Through what? Just being silent before him throughout the day. We talked about a daily office, a morning time, maybe a noon time, maybe a morning and a noon time, an evening time, maybe a morning, noon, and evening, or maybe a 10 o'clock break time or 2 o'clock break time. For you that work late night, maybe it's 12 midnight, 1 in the morning, but whatever it is. But to stop. Don't let this busyness, this way of sin, this pathway to keep you from God overtake you for God has overcome the world and you can choose to stop. And you must take responsibility that God gave you that choice to stop, to be with him. We say we're all too busy, but just like we choose to be busy, we also choose not to stop. We must choose that and we can choose that because he's given us the freedom to choose that. Having our minds constantly thinking about Scripture as much as possible. Hearing and listening songs that give glory to God and singing to God. Another word for worship is to be focused. And then the other practical way of being in the presence of God. As if he's in the room. And if you could acknowledge him. For him to be in the conversation. For him to be with you in that moment. That doesn't mean you need to talk about Jesus to be in the conversation. I'm saying just let him be there. You're listening. He's, he's helping you through this conversation. No matter if it's someone that's mad at you or uh, someone you don't know or someone you do know. Someone that believes in Christ or doesn't believe in Christ. It doesn't matter who it is. Your daughter, your child, your husband, your wife, your friend. Anyone. Allow him to be in that conversation. Allow him to be in that moment with you. We're talking about that connecting, that being with him, hence the presence of God. It's also listening to others talk about him. We are not meant to do this on our own. This pathway is not just us and God in seclusion. No, this pathway is with others. 
Jesus didn't call nobody. He called 12. Uh, others singing to God. Others testifying to God. Others sharing their issues that they're going through in this life with God in their walk. That's the practical way of coming to the presence of God. And what will keep us from that again is sin. And that sin will come through that temptation. And those temptations will come through those thoughts. What thoughts keep you from connecting with somebody? What thought keeps you from sharing with somebody what's really going on? So today I ask you as we have the worship team come up and we sing some songs. We have a creator God that is our loving father. We are his sons and daughters. We have enemies like he has enemies and they want to keep us from the presence of God. And how do they do this? They want us to sin. They want us to be in this pathway of sin. But what would you today commit yourself to taking responsibility for your thoughts, to take up this battle and fight with the truth that you may be in the presence of God, in this path of life. He says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Because everything in life, our whole life is found in the presence of God. The presence of God is everything in life. It's all the time, 24 hours, every day of the week, every moment. Now I want to admit, when I let life take over me and I allow all that worry and all those concerns consume me, I don't feel the presence of God. That doesn't mean that he left me. It means that I metaphorically left him even though he's right there. You just gotta turn back, he's right there. He never leaves us. And what I want you to hear is that you can do something about that. Because he's died to set you free. He's conquered your enemies. He's conquered the lies. He's conquered Satan. He's conquered the flesh. He conquered all of them because he lived the right life in the flesh. He defeated Satan because he defeated death and he resurrected. He defeated all the lies because he is the truth, right? And that you can do something about that. You will need his strength and he will give that to you because he said he gives us strength. He gives us power after the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Acts talks about that. And all of us have that power. I want us to remain in the presence of God, not just now, but forevermore. Because that's where true life is. And that's where we have a chance to experience life. And we need to continue to experience life the way God designed it all the time with one another together. And we must encourage and spur each other and guide each other and watch out for each other. By how? Connecting and loving each other. By speaking these same truths to each other day in and day out. And as we see one of us start to drift away and fall by the wayside, we must come away from where we're going and grab them and pick them up and get them to that place by speaking to them the truth and letting them know how much you love them, how much you care about them, and there's nothing they're going to do that's going to keep you away from them. That we're on this path together. 
Henry Townsend said, God has only one plan, plan A, for people changing, and that's people, helping people change. He has no plan B, and that's the truth. Jesus discipled his disciples that they may what? Disciple others, love others. That's why you cannot love God without loving others. We must do that for each other, church. As we're venturing out, February's going to, we're going to start talking about something new, not new, but uh, uh, another place where God is leading us, right? And it's awesome and it's amazing, but we want you to, to, to just remember that the presence of God is everything. We don't ever want to introduce something here at the church that would keep you from God's presence, not a program, not a system, not a process. We want to keep always Jesus as the pathway of life. We always want something to keep you connected to Jesus. And I want you to know today that you can. And I don't know where you're at. I mean, man, there's times that I don't just go like hours. I go days and, you know, days and sometimes even a week stuck in this pattern of whatever it is that I can't get out of. And then I just like cry uncle, you know, like they're twisting my arm. I'm like, uncle, you know, I'm crying uncle. And I pick up the phone like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. Someone just tells me the truth. Someone, my brother and sister, tells me the truth and like instantly it leaves. Because I can't do this on my own. We're not meant, we're meant to experience this pathway of life together. And that's you being the church. That's me being the church. That's you being the light that God made you the light. That's you being Christ and me being Christ. And that's what I'm doing up here today. I'm not anything other than a messenger, not even a messenger. I'm just a mouthpiece for God to tell you this one subject. Not because I'm master of it, not because I know how to do it. It's only because it's there and it's true and it's real. And it's your right to take every thought, hold every, hold every thought captive. And to get out of these ruts that keep us from the presence of God. Would you commit to me, I mean commit to God to, to coming to Christ and to coming to that path. And to holding, taking every thought captive and to battle. As we sing. Would you make that commitment to Christ today? All right. God bless the church.